Thank you guys. You may be seated. Our goal in this life study has been to take various areas of our life and ask how do we bring that area under the control of God? How do we glorify God and Christ in this particular area? And, and some of the areas we've studied, there hasn't been like a direct spiritual connection at first. We, the, the topic seemed a little disconnected. But we read two weeks ago Paul's words in, in Romans 12 where he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice before God. And that was Paul's way of saying that your whole life is a part of your act of worship. Anything that's a part of your life. That's a part of your worship to God. That's a part of what you should bring under God's control, uh, whatever that is. And some, some areas are easy to correlate. Like, okay, that's spiritual. Okay, God's talked about that. Sexuality, God said really specific things about, right? He, where that's experienced and how and, and what committed relationship, very clear. Now, now, we may not like what he said. We may not want to obey what he said, but God's really clear. There's a really clear connection about God's ideal for that area and what we find in the Bible. Stealing, right? God's really clear about stealing. You shouldn't do it. It's like we don't have to debate it. It's really clear on those instructions. But then there are some areas that aren't quite as clear. And, and the topic that we're going to take up for today is, is one of those areas. The Bible has a few overarching concepts, and we're going to get to those. We're going to talk about those. But as far as real details, real specifics about this area, there's not a lot of real specifics. Then this is an area where there are some some cultural issues that come to bear. Some cultural issues that bring some pressure to this particular area. Then there's some physical realities for each of us individually that are a part of this particular... Then there are some emotional areas that are intertwined with this particular issue. Have I communicated clearly that this is kind of a tricky topic to unpack on Sunday morning? You got that? This is is kind of a little tricky, even though it seems kind of obvious. There are some topics in the Bible that are true. Bible doesn't have a lot to say about them. This is one of them. So if you're like Bible person, want to dig in, good. I'm glad you're here. We want you here. That's great. My, my caution to you is hang with me to the end, okay, before you tweet anything, all right? Just let me get all the way to the end, and then you can post that you hated it, all right? Just let, let me get there. And then there's some of you... Uh, that when this topic comes up, there, there's a lot of stuff in the background for you. There's hurt. There's maybe some scarring. Uh, there's words that were said about you related to this topic, and you can recall those at any moment in the voice of the person that said them. And maybe it was your peers who said something, And maybe they laughed and said, just kidding, and you knew they weren't just kidding, or it didn't sound like they were kidding to you. Maybe it was your parents 
who were trying to say something helpful, but said it in such a way that it, it cut your heart and you remember it to this day. Maybe it's other adults in your life, maybe it's peers. But there's some of you, when it comes to this topic, there's a lot of emotion behind this. And to you, I would say, let me get to the end. All right, let me get all the way. Tweet whatever you want to after that. But let, let me get all the way to the end. Now, because of that component in today's message, because of the personal nature of this topic for some of us, I want to tell you what the topic is, unless you've cheated and you've already gone online, you already know what it is. But if you haven't cheated yet, I'm going to tell you what the topic is, and, and then we're going to jump into that emotional part of this topic. Does everyone agree that I've set this up in a way that I can't get in trouble once I start talking about this? Do we agree? Because I can do more. I, I, I can backpedal more on this topic. Okay, here we go. Here's, here's what we're talking about. And if you've been doing the devotion along with us, um, you probably already know you're going to talk about this in your, in your community group this week. It's the, it's the physical area of our life, the physical health area. Am I physically healthy topic? And, and immediately, if you bring this up, it doesn't necessarily sound connected to spiritual issues. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Let's talk about the emotional weight of this issue for some of us. I think, and I'm the one talking today, so I get to decide. I think the number one issue that we struggle with in this area in 2017 is what I'm going to call the body image issue. Um, we live in a time, thanks to the internet, where we see examples of celebrities and uh, models and bodies, and it's everywhere. It's in every advertisement has some appeal to the physical on it. We are saturated with body image messages. And here, some of the challenge with that there's no agreed upon perfect body image, right? Do you understand this? There certainly has not been an agreed upon body image over time. You've seen the articles just like I have. How perfect body image in the 1950s and 60s is drastically different from perfect body image of 2017, right? Or in one culture versus another culture, in one part of the world versus another part of the world. Who's right? Like there's no agreed upon standard to, all right, this is the body we should all be going for. The other problem with that is, even if we came up with it, none of us could match it. Right? None, we're not all the same height. We don't have the same genetics. I'll get to that in just a minute. It, it would be a frustrating battle, even if we came up with, this is perfection, now you try to match perfection. And if, even if we did, let's, let's say we decided this celebrity, this supermodel, this television personality, this is the perfect body. Then we'd have to realize that body's not even real. It's called Photoshop. I mean, we live in a world where the body images that we see on paper and in the movies and on television that give us these body image emotions and, and issues, they're not even real. And yet, 
there was this tendency to compare myself with what I see. Even though my brain knows what I see is not real. Again, I'm the one doing the talk, so I get to decide. I'm pretty sure that the weight of this issue falls on the ladies this morning. It's not that the men don't have this same sort of sense and feeling, but in our culture, the weight, the pressure, is primarily on the females. Married, wife, three daughters, most of you know, right? It's estrogen City at my house, right? I know all way too much about lady stuff than I ever wanted to know. And it's one of my great concerns in raising three daughters in this day and age. One of my great concerns is that my daughters would look at something that's not even real. And it would cause them to feel inadequate in who they are. This is the challenge of this issue. That it would affect their self-confidence. It would affect their self-esteem as it has likely for some who are here today. Because this message we get over and over. You're supposed to look like this. You're supposed to weigh this. We get it over and over. And we begin to internalize, I'm not enough. I'm inadequate. At its worst, it can be one of the contributing factors to harmful, even, even fatal eating disorders. So I know this at first doesn't sound real connected spiritually, but it is because we have to talk about this not in terms of pounds and inches, because that's how we like to talk about it, scale. What does the scale say? We have to talk about this subject not in terms of pounds and inches, but in terms of eternity, in terms of what God says about us and who we're supposed to be. Now, again, another challenge. I mentioned it just a minute ago. Another challenge is we've all got different DNA. Right? We're wired differently genetically. Our makeup is unique. You're one of a kind. There are some here that can eat anything they want and not exercise and never gain a pound. And we viciously hate those people. No, no, we don't. We just dislike them a lot. And there's some who can look at a cookie and gain 10 pounds, right? <laughs> you see the ice cream commercial and you go, oh, what was that? All right? Uh, two more pounds. Just genetic wiring. And this is, this is why this is so futile. Looking at this issue as I want to match somebody. I want to be like somebody. We got to come at this from the side of our Creator. Because you're all wired differently. Genetically, you're put together by God differently. And it can be defeating and frustrating. But it may not necessarily be an issue of discipline. Or desire. I mean, you, you can't look at somebody and say, Oh, well, they just need to work harder. Well, they just need to exercise more. Maybe, but you don't know the wiring that's going on. You, you don't know genetically what's going on. Well, they just need to want it more. Maybe they want it a lot more than somebody who's smaller. 
It's just the, the wiring and is different. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying it's not always, well, you should and you shouldn't and you don't and he does. It, it's not just an issue of that. So if there's a goal, if I can lay out a goal, um, here, here's the goal. The goal is not a perfect body as compared to someone else. The goal, I think, is the ideal you giving your, given your unique makeup. And what's the best you? How, how does your body operate best for you? Genetically, you're different from the people that are around you. So there are going to be some uniqueness to you. So what is ideal for you? And then how do you begin to move towards that? Ideal. Let's, let's, let's put this in the Bible, all right? We'll start the Old Testament and we'll jump to the New Testament. All the way at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Here's what we find. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. So God creates us. He creates us physical beings. He creates us with a body. Chapter 2, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God creates us physical beings, and everything God created, at least initially, everything God created was good. This is good. Stars and planets and trees and animals and human body, good. Good. Although our bodies are temporary and imperfect now, they're still good. They're still a good gift from God. The fall comes, we sin, and, and our body breaks down, our body gets older, our body doesn't recover as, as well as it used to. So yeah, th there's this imperfection about our bodies, but even with that imperfection, there is a goodness to the physical you. David in the Psalms writes, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God, you did this, like you put me together. This is after the fall, this is after sin has entered into the world. And God's still giving us physical bodies, putting us together. He's wiring our DNA. He's wiring our genetics. This is a gift from God. And yeah, temporary, imperfect, but a part of God's good gifts to His people. The idea that the body is bad or the body is evil is not found anywhere in the Bible. Not anywhere in the Bible does, does the Bible say your, your physical body is bad. The Bible uses flesh sometimes as an analogy for our sin nature. But, but our body is good. Paul dealt with this idea that the body's bad in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he's, he's speaking in the context of sexual immorality and he writes, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Our bodies and the ways we engage our bodies are, are a part of how we worship God. They're a part of the goodness of God to us. Paul is arguing against a belief system called Gnosticism. Uh, this is a first century uh, problem. There was a group of people that felt like they had special messages from God that nobody else had, which always be concerned when somebody has special messages from God that nobody else has. But that's what they felt like. We know more than everybody else. And they had decided that the body itself was evil. It's going to perish. It's going to go away at some point. The soul and the spirit are good, and they're not connected, according to the Gnostics, such that you could do whatever you want with your body, and it wasn't a problem with God. Like prostitution, sexual sin, immorality. The Gnostics believe it doesn't matter what you do with your body because your body's evil. And Paul's saying, no, your body's a part of God's gift to you. It's, it's a vehicle that the Holy Spirit inhabits if you're a follower of Jesus. And it's a vehicle for you to bring about kingdom work, to engage in kingdom work, and to bring glory to God. So our bodies from the beginning were good. And because God shaped our bodies, because God made our bodies and gave them as a gift to us, our bodies have dignity. The human body has dignity. This, this, is, this is one of the evils of lust and pornography. It's because they strip the dignity of another human body to use for my pleasure. One of the dangers, spiritually, mentally, emotionally even, of pornography is that it doesn't recognize the dignity of my body and another person's body. Paul uses this as an analogy in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the church, but at one point as an analogy, he says, you know, our, our bodies, because they have dignity, we cover up. Parts of our body. Why? For modesty. Because the body should be dignified. Should be covered. We should care for the body. Now, God, since He created our bodies, since He gave our bodies dignity, God must desire that we care for our bodies. In Genesis chapter 2, God gives Adam and Eve an assignment. Essentially, he says, Look, I've created everything. It's awesome. And I want you to take care of it. And he specifically talks about animals and, and trees and shrubs and that sort of thing. But the, the command that he's giving to Adam and Eve is care for creation. And your body's a part of creation. Your body's a part of what God created and started and continues to create. So take care of it. God, God desires that we care for His creation, our bodies, a part of that. And if that's true, if God desires that we care for creation, our body being part of it, then God must have an ideal of what caring for our bodies would mean. I mean, when God desires something, He always holds up an ideal. Like, this is what I want for you. Relationships, this is what I want for you. Sexually, this is what I want for you. Integrity, this is what I want for you. This is what it looks like. Live according to the Spirit. This is what that looks like. This is the ideal. 
And we're imperfect, and we don't get it right every time. We fail sometimes. But because God has always an ideal that He's pushing us towards, when it comes to our physical body, there must be some ideal that God wants for us. Now, the, the problem, as I said, is the Bible doesn't get specific about this ideal. Right? There's, there's not a nutrition plan in the Bible. I mean, Old Testament dietary laws, we can debate that. There's not that chapter where Moses led everybody in calisthenics, right? It's like, like they, they didn't do Zumba. Zumba, is that what it is? Zumba. They, they didn't do Zumba in Exodus 30. Right? It's not like, okay, we did 50 ja- jumping jacks and then 25 push-ups and 25 sit-ups and do this every day, therefore I command you, yea, verily. It's not in the Bible anywhere. which makes this kind of hard. Now, the, the one area as far as health that the Bible gets really specific on is gluttony, and that's the one we don't like to talk about, right? I mean, that's the, a lot of sins we talk about, we don't talk about the G word, right? But the Bible is really specific about gluttony. My favorite gluttony verse, uh, Proverbs 23, verses 1 and 2, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. You're like, whoa, oh, that's serious. <laughs> Dial it back, bro, easy. I'll get dessert if I want dessert. <laughs> so the Bible says, all right, this is pretty serious. Don't overindulge. Don't overindulge yourself. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to count that as one of the sins. But that's the one area of physical health that God gets really, really specific about. So as I'm thinking this week, as I'm praying, I'm thinking, well, maybe God didn't spell it out in His Word. Maybe God spelled it out in our bodies. Like maybe God hired, hardwired the coding and the instructions for how we're to treat our bodies in our bodies. Here's what I mean. How do you feel after you eat a hamburger and onion rings and wash it down with a frosted orange? <laughs> it feels awesome going down, doesn't it? For about 10 minutes. And then you know that feel? You know that, you know that feeling? Like about 10 minutes later? It's that feeling you get on Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day when you push away from the table and you say, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> right? And then like two hours later, you're looking for leftovers. Right? Maybe, maybe God put in our body, warning signals and mechanisms to say, hey, let's, let's don't do that a lot. Celebrate, maybe. Like, let's don't make this a pattern. That feeling is to say, this is a bad idea. Contrary to when you eat a salad, right? You now you feel after you eat a salad, there's a word for the way that you feel after you eat a salad. It's called hungry, right? <laughs> no, just ignore that. Um, the way you feel after you eat a nutritious meal is you feel more alert. It's not like that food coma feeling, right? I got to go lay down. Uh, there's not that. There's an, there's an alertness. There's a, there's a, there's a, I feel better about my choices sort of feeling. 
maybe God wrote instructions inside of us. And yes, some of those instructions come from science and doctors and discoveries about what is healthy and what is not healthy. You know the feeling you get when you've been inactive for a long time and you've been a couch potato for a long time. That lethargic feeling that I can't really get going. I don't mean you took one afternoon nap. I mean like you've been in it, you haven't exercised, you haven't gotten the heart rate up, you you haven't exerted energy in a while, and this lethargy starts to set in. It's one of the challenges of starting an exercise program. is because you feel tired all the time, but the only way to not feel tired all the time is to actually do some exercise so that you get some energy back. That's, that's the body saying, hey, we need to get moving a little bit. We, we need to do something. We need to get the heart rate up. Our body starts telling us these things. Um, illness is sometimes, not always, sometimes, it's the body's way of saying, hey, you're not taking care of me. You've, you've developed some habits that are harmful to your body, and the body's saying, hey, signal, warning signal, warning signal, warning, you need to change something, warning signal. Our body releases endorphins when we exercise, right? Nature's morphine. Like it's that feel good, that, man, I accomplished something today. Hey, let's do that again. That's what the body's saying with endorphins. The, it, it, the body's saying, hey, that was a good thing you just did. Let's do it again. Let's get the blood pumping again. And yeah, it, the first time you do it, you're a little sore afterwards. Uh, hopefully you've managed it. You haven't overdone it the first time. You, you, you went at a sustainable pace. But your body's saying, hey, this was a good thing you did. Let's do it again. That alertness you feel after you've exercised. That, that ability to get more work done often. Or be more creative. Or sustain focused attention. That's your body saying, hey, this is a good thing you're doing. And there's a reward for this good thing that you're doing. Same thing with rest. Your body's saying you were not created to function on three hours of sleep. No matter how much coffee you drink. Five-hour energy you pump into your body. Your body was not intended to operate that way. Like, like God's example at the beginning, He works and He rests. And he created a creature that would do the same thing, that would work and rest. There would be a rhythm of working and resting, working and resting. God demonstrated it in, in the fields. He said, look, you got you to let fields rest every once in a while. Because God's trying to say to us, and our body's trying to say to us, you need rhythm of work, and you need rhythm of rest. And when you cheat one of those, your body's going to respond. Maybe God wrote all of these instructions inside of us for how he wants our body to operate. He created us. He gave us dignity. He wants us to care for his creation. And then he hardwired into our body signals that would move us in that direction if we don't ignore them. Right? And some people will push back, I know, on, on the health talk. Some people will push back and say, well, God knows everything. He's appointed a day for us to be born and appointed a day for us to die. I run in the neighborhoods around my house, and uh, there's one house this older gentleman lives at, and he's often out in the yard, and we speak and wave and say hi as I go by. And about a year ago, <clears throat> I'm coming down the road, and he's coming to his mailbox, and we get to the mailbox at the exact same time 
And uh, almost under his breath, he says, uh, you know, running won't make you live longer. It'll just make it seem longer. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's right. I don't know theologically how that works out. But if that's you, if that's, well, we're going to die when we die. God's already decided. I'd say two things to you. Here's the first thing. God may know when my appointed day is, but I don't. And I'm going to do whatever I can do to make sure God set that date a long time out in the future. Right. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to hope that he picked a day a long day from now, a long ways from now. The second thing is, even if that day's picked, even if that day's close, I, I'm not just concerned about the day that I die. I'm concerned about fully living the time that I'm alive. I'm concerned about being, uh, of having the strength and the energy to be all in in the life that's right in front of me, no matter how long I get. I, I said we're all different uh, genetically. My gene pool's murky at best, right? Mine's more like a gene cesspool, actually. And it's got heart disease and it's got cancer and it's diabetes and gout and you know, all, just all this stuff all wrapped up in it. I can't change that. But I have control over what I do with what I have. I have control over how I respond to that. And my response, in a large way, is going to dictate how much of the life I do live, I get to actually enjoy and fully live. We only get one body. That's it. God gave us one body. And that's all we get for our existence here on earth. Now, we can trade out some parts maybe, right? You know, give up an appendix and some tonsils and trade a kidney maybe. I mean, you can trade some parts, but by and large, we get one body for our existence on this earth. And I think God said, care for the, what I created. Take care of what I created. The other thing I would say is there are people who depend on us. And there are moments that I want to be around to enjoy. Whether I can extend my life or not, that's another conversation. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me what you think about that. What I want to do is I want to be able to enjoy all the moments that I have. I mean, a motivating factor to me is just being able to see as much of my girls' lives as I can. As much as I can. And participate as fully as I can. I would love to chase grandkids around one day. Long time from now. But one day... <laughs> You know, my dad never got to do that. My, my dad died before we had kids and uh, never, never knew any of his grandkids in this life. He'll know them in the next life, but never knew them in this life. And, and, and what I can control, I want to control because I want to be there. I want to be in that life, fully living that life. And I think, I think you probably do too. I think you want to be there. So another thing. I want to engage kingdom work as long as I can. I want to do this as long as I can. Okay. I, I like doing this. I don't know if you can tell. I like doing this. I love being with you. I love what God's doing at Journey. I don't, I don't have control over everything. But what I have control of, I want to be healthy and strong and have the stamina and be focused and have the mental energy to do this as long as I possibly can. 
want to be a part of God's kingdom work in this world as long as I can. And I don't have control over everything, and you don't either. And there are, there are health issues that arise that we don't necessarily have full control over. There are things that happen, and if those things happen, hopefully I'll face those with, with faith and with grace. But until they do, I want to be fully engaged in the work of the kingdom for as long as I can. Let me make just a couple of comments, just a couple of practical things, and then y'all can tweet what you liked and didn't like. So, All right, here's one. If I'm making practical suggestions, I'm not a trained like I'm not some licensed. I, I know nothing. But here, here's, here's some practical things. Find what works for you and stick to it. Just find what works for you. Talk to people, maybe who are successful health-wise or, or whatever. Talk, find out what they do. Try it. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, try something else. Don't quit. Try something else. Find what works for you and stick with it. Okay, there are great plans out there. It's awesome. There's scams out there. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Find what works for you and stick to it. Um, here's, what, here's what I know is that do, starting is often the hardest step. Just starting is often the hardest step. Find what works for you, stick to it. Number two, find what fits your schedule and make it a priority. Find what fits your schedule, because we're all in different schedules of life. We all have different counts. If you're single, you have a schedule. If you're married with no kids, you have a, a schedule. <clears throat> if you're in college, you have a schedule. If you're married with little kids, then you have a schedule. If you have kids that are teenagers and they're in travel ball, then you've got a schedule. We've all got a schedule. And what you've got to find through all of those phases and all of those changes of your schedule is... How do I make this a priority? Where does it fit in my schedule currently? And I'm going to make it a priority to do it. I'm going to make it a priority. Find what fits in your schedule. Don't use your schedule as an excuse because that's what we're tempted to do. Find what works in your schedule. Make it a priority. Then something is better than nothing. This is one of my mantras when it comes to physical stuff. Something's better than nothing. Like the 20 minutes you did today is better than the nothing you did yesterday. The, the one good nutritious choice you made today is better than the no good nutritious choices you made yesterday. Right. Something, get started. Start somewhere. And often what you'll find is you'll have a sense of accomplishment with the little thing and then you'll want to do a little more and then you'll want to do a little more and then you'll want to stick with it. Start somewhere because something is better than nothing. And then my last comment, kind of separate from those, is watch the words that you use when it comes to this area. Be very careful how you speak to other people about this area because you don't, you don't know their backstory. You don't know genetically what's going. You don't know what they've tried and haven't tried. Be very careful how you speak to your kids. And sometimes we're trying to motivate, and there's a place for that. We should be motivating our kids to get active and, and to stay active. But parents, we need to be very careful because this body image, this self-esteem, this self-confidence gets internalized. Be very careful the words that you choose when speaking to somebody else about this in their life. 
and what you see. It's not just about pounds and inches. It's not. It's about a creator that loves us and shaped us and, and molded us and desires for us to get the full joy out of the body and the one life that he gave us. Let's pray. God, help us to honor your creation. Our bodies are a part of that. Help us to treat our bodies, other, other bodies, with dignity. All the ramifications of that statement. God, help us to listen to our bodies. And what it's trying to tell us. Help us not to ignore things and put them off till later. They rarely fix themselves. God, help us to desire for the sake of the people that we love that we would be active and strong for as long as we possibly can be. And help us to desire to be about the work of the kingdom in this world. And the strength and the stamina and the courage and the mental alertness and creativity that that requires. Help us to desire to do that for as long as possible. And that's going to require taking care of the body that you've given us. The one body that we get. And so help this not to be pounds and inches only. Help this to be, God, I want to glorify you with my body that's your creation. I want to treat it with dignity. I want to honor the gift that you've given me in my body. It's not like anybody else's. I I have struggles that other people don't. I find some things easy that other people don't. It's mine. You created it for me, and I want to honor you with it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.